where we will be tonight. Uh, and we will, honestly, I thought we would finish the, the chapter, but after studying, I realized that uh, it looks like we will just get through verse 15 tonight. So, Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15. And I think you'll see why um, I say we're only going to get through one verse tonight, um, because this, this verse is so um, rich uh, and pregnant with meaning that uh, I think it is important for us just to slow down on this and just to take our, take our time. So uh, Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, Revelation chapter 11 verse 15. And uh, again, if you're physically able to do so, I'm going to ask that you stand one, one more time with us as we honor the reading of God's holy and written word. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. This is the word of the Lord given to us tonight. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Let's pray. Fathers, we have seen that we look forward to the day in which the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdom of our God. Uh, we, we thank you for this fact. We thank you for this reality. We pray now for your grace. We pray now for your help. We pray now for your guidance as we seek to make much of Christ. And God, we, we would ask that you would help us and guide us, direct us for your glory in this passage. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I ran across, a, a, I felt what was somewhat of a, a humorous story. Um, it was a, it's a true story, or at least it's reported to be true. Uh, there, was a, there was a famous Methodist pastor uh, or preacher by the name of Peter McKenzie. And uh, Brother McKenzie was uh, being shown over uh, the waxworks there in London um, and so, uh, coming to, uh, coming to one particular section, he found, apparently it was reported he found great interest, and that was, uh, the, uh, the, the setup where Voltaire, right, uh, the, the replica of Voltaire, where he wrote his, his famous writings, of course, uh, Voltaire was a, was an atheist, and, uh, was a French atheist, and, uh, wrote many, many great blasphemies, but, but, but none the yet, uh, it, it is interesting that, uh, he asked him, or he asked his guide as he was being guided around if anything there was original, to which the guide said, yes, the chair uh, that is here is, is actually from Voltaire, um, to which uh, the, uh, the great Methodist pastor preacher um, stepped over the lines and he sat down in the chair without, without asking permission, and he began to do what only a believer could do, and that is he began to sing a hymn. And he began to sing, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun doth his successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch for, from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. Uh, there is coming a day in which everything that stands uh, against Christ shall be crushed. And it's, it's funny that, as, uh, that, uh, um, that God has shown himself to be greater than all of the greatest atheists and blasphemies in the world. And God truly has and is continuing to put down anything in the path of the gospel. He continues to do that. 
And I say that even knowing full well that there are great, great uh, numbers of Christians who have, who have even recently given their lives for the sake of the gospel. But uh, the thing is, is that the gospel can never be, can never be destroyed. The advancement of the gospel can never be destroyed. Satan and, and all of his armies, uh, God, may, God may surely allow to come against his people and destroy them, but uh, the gospel can never be destroyed. And it's interesting that as we look at our passage tonight in Revelation chapter eleven fifteen, we come face to face with this reality. There's nothing that's going to ever be able to stop the gospel. There is nothing that will ever stop the gospel's march, the gospel's movement. Uh, and so we, we come, uh, we come and we see a passage in which uh, the day in which there is coming when Christ's enemies all will be crushed. A day in which Christ's enemies will all be crushed. And the sounding of that seventh trumpet is going to go out. And he's going to proclaim the Lord's rightful coronation over all the earth as the rightful king. And, and uh, will answer the prayer of all ages, right? Which is, thy kingdom come. Matthew chapter 6. That's what we're told to pray. Thy kingdom come. Well, God is going to one day make that a reality. And Matthew 6.10 will come to pass. And the kingdom and the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdom of our God. So let's uh, let's look at a couple different. I want I want to take a couple different uh, uh, just notices. Uh, I want us to notice a couple different things here. First is uh, the sounding of the seventh trumpet. Uh, the sounding of the seventh the seventh trumpet here in verse fifteen. That's that's how the verse opens. Is it says, and the seventh angel sounded right, and the seventh angel holding, of course, the seventh trumpet. Uh, and it's interesting that it goes this that that all this time throughout Revelation from chapter eight all the way through. I mean, we're still dealing with the trumpets, and here in chapter eleven, verse fifteen, we finally have the final trumpet that is finally sounded, and it's sounded forth, and it's sounded by the last of the seven angels who were given back in eight two chapter eight verse two, the seven trumpets, and what is it doing? What is the trumpet that this angel is given doing? Well, unlike the other angels, when they sounded and there was either silence in heaven um, while, um, while the earth held her breath or there, was, uh, there, were, there were plagues and, and all sorts of, of hellish uh, um, judgments sent upon the earth, this one is quite different. Because this one is an announcement of the, the king of kings. This one announces the reign of Christ. This one announces the promise fulfilled in the, in the scriptures that Christ will one day fully reign over all creation. It tells us that in the sounding of this, of this, of this trumpet, it tells us, that, every, that this anti-Christian beast that has arisen is going to be put down. He is going to be destroyed. His kingdom, unlike the rightful king's kingdom, is going to be once and for all put underneath the feet of King Jesus. The rightful king will come and will destroy the usurper. The rightful king will come and put down the, the, the wicked king and, and his kingdom that he has established. And that the gospel, the gospel, well, the gospel is going to be carried over the entire world. The gospel is going to be carried forth to the entire world. That the, all nations are going to hear of the gospel. Every people group will hear one day of the gospel. And the gospel is going to be carried all over the world. People are going to be, will be hearing the gospel. And as a result, both Jew and Gentile will, in fact, 
be coming together in faith in Christ. There will be, there will be great conversions all over the world as Jesus is crowned the rightful king. Christ is going to reign over all the earth. Christ will rightfully reign over all the earth. And this is not going to be a spiritual reign. This is going to be a physical reign. This reign will be a physical one over all the earth. There will be no more times in which Jesus um, spiritually rules and reigns. There will, this will be a physical reign from a physical place in which Christ will one day rule and reign over all the earth. And it's interesting that as this seventh angel sounds in chapter, Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, it is interesting that it says that after the sounds, did you notice what, what, what happens next? And it says, and there were great voices in heaven saying, uh, or let's just stop there. There were great voices in heaven. And that's the second thing I want us to take note of is that, that not only was the seventh trumpet sounded, uh, pronouncing or announcing the, the, that Christ has, uh, Christ is, is the rightful king, but that there were, there were noises and voices in heaven. And, and what, what were these voices? Who, who were these voices? Well, I think there were a couple different voices here, though John doesn't tell us in this, in this verse. Um, he will go on to talk about the 24 elders. Um, and uh, in, in verse 16. So I do think they were actually part of these voices. Um, and so I think there, there are at least five different groups that John is identifying, at least previously he has identified, and I think all together they collectively make up all of these voices. And so he identifies in Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, the angels of heaven, right? And so all the angels in heaven are, are beginning to sound forth in rejoicing. They are sounding forth that at last... At last, Christ is come is going to go and rule over the nations. At long last, Christ is going to execute his rule. At long last, we are going to see our rightful king, who this world has treated so maliciously, who has rejected and blasphemed our, the king of kings. He is at last going to be vindicated, and his honor is going to clearly be seen. But I, think, I don't think they're the only ones. As I said, in verse 16, the, the, the 24 elders, right, are, are mentioned here in verse 16. We'll talk more about them next week. But in chapter 16, you have the 24 elders, and what, what are they doing? Well, I mean, after they, they began voicing their, their, their rejoicing over Christ's rightful rule and coming uh, physical reign over the, all the earth, they began bowing down and falling down in worship to the Lord. And so these 24 elders are also going to be rejoicing. They're going to be singing praises because at long last, that which they had longed for, that which they had rightfully prayed for, that which they had rightfully sought after will come to pass. I think there's another group here, though, um, that will, in fact, be rejoicing. These voices in heaven sounding and rejoicing. And these guys are actually found back in chapter 4, verse 9. And these are the four living creatures, right? You remember these guys? Um, these guys, although we've not really talked about them since then in chapter 4, but in chapter 4, right, they, they each had different faces and um, each one represented different, uh, different meanings for each one of them. But these four living creatures, these beasts, uh, uh, they're, they're going to be rejoicing that God has again uh, fully vindicated his honor and his glory. But I think there are two more groups here that, that are going to be voicing their rejoicing and voicing their praise, voicing their thankfulness to God for finally, at long last, bringing this to pass. The first we heard earlier um, in the book of Revelation, and that was the martyrs. 
the martyrs, those who were murdered for their faith. Uh, those that were murdered for their faith. Um, I will tell you that um, I, I have tried, um, I, I had received word and I've been trying to verify this. So take this for what it's worth. If you're able to verify it, that would be great. Um, I continue to try to verify it. But um, I, I, I was told that um, this past week in, in Afghanistan, there were, there were large numbers of, of Christians who were murdered um, and the, church, the churches were scattered there. Um, I've been trying, to, trying to, to confirm that so far. I've not been able to, but I have heard a report of that. And, and the report was from a reputable source, so I do trust them. Um, but I continue to try to seek to seek that. It wouldn't surprise me if they were, quite honestly. Um, no one is going to be able to stand against uh, uh, Islamic extremism. Um, they, they think they're right. And so it doesn't, would not surprise me. But regardless of whether or not it is simply those, uh, martyrs all over the world, martyrs from all nations, martyrs from all, all time periods are going to be rejoicing at this point. Uh, they're going to be singing their praises. They're going to be singing their, their God's renown because he's finally coming. And, and they're, they're, they're going to see that their faith was, uh, was not in vain, right? That their faith was, was, was being vindicated and their, their, their rightful um, um, faith was, was not in vain. And then there's, a, there's another group, and I think the, these are the, the saints of the, of the churches. Um, these are the saints of the churches. They, they, we will, in fact, with all the saints of all times, uh, lift our voices uh, in, in rejoicing. We will, we will rejoice over Christ's coming. We will rejoice with Jesus' coming, and we will rejoice that Jesus is going to, going to again, rule, or it will rule and reign once and for all from, uh, from his, 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 uh, his mercy seat. And then there's something else. Uh, after we get the seventh angel, after we hear the voices in heaven, then there is an announcement that is made. Now, no, now watch this announcement, okay? So let's watch carefully here what this announcement says. So these great voices in heaven, and what were they saying? Well, they are saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord, or the kingdom of this world has become the kingdoms of our Lord, or the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever. So what is the announcement that these angels and the martyrs and the saints and the 24 elders and the four living creatures and all the other hosts in heaven, what is it that they are going to be, what is it that they're going to be announcing? Well, first and foremost, it is uh, that Christ has achieved or has, has once and for all achieved total and lasting victory over the nations and over the, over the kingdom of this world. Uh, and, and when we talk about the kingdom or the kingdoms of this world, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a world system that is supported by a couple different things. We are talking about a world system that is first and foremost supported by worldly power, right? People stay in power because of worldly power. They seek to remain in power, and so they use military might and military force to stay in power. And so these, this kingdom of this world remains where it is, because of man-centered as well as demonic power. They, they are seeking to honor themselves and seeking to honor their, their name and not the name of Christ. And Christ is going to destroy this. Second of all, I think we see a, a world system that is supported by worldly policy, right? I mean, it's a policy that sets up in mankind. I mean, look, I mean, have you ever seen such demonic screeching in all of your life over a bill in Texas 
that does not allow you to murder a baby once a heartbeat is in fact detected. And the demonic screeching of these crazed people in this world who, who screech for blood, it is demonic and it is wicked and it is vile and it thumbs its nose in the face of Almighty God who says, Thou shalt not kill. Did you ever think you would live in a nation where women would scream and men would be screeching such demonic things? Because they're not allowed to kill another human being. Worldly policy. Worldly policy. It's okay to kill babies. It's okay to kill people because somebody sinned against you. It's okay to, to kill a baby because you can't support it. It's okay to kill a baby if it's, too in, if it's going to grow up in poverty. It's okay to kill a baby for whatever reason you want to throw in there, right? At least that's what they say. And this is worldly policy. But then thirdly, it's a, there's a, a kingdom of this world that is supported and exists upon worldly principles. Worldly principles, right? Uh, what are those worldly principles? Well, man first. Man first. Mankind first. Not God, not Christ, not the honoring of him, but me and you and us and what we want and what we desire so we structure uh, uh, the world, this world system structures itself upon the worldly principles of man-centeredness. And I would say to you that as Christ conquers, there is a sharp contrast drawn between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of Christ. There's a sharp contrast here between those that are, that are built upon worldly policy, worldly power, worldly principles, and that kingdom which is built upon Christ as king, Christ honoring, Christ glorifying, Christ submitting to, submitting to Christ. There's a sharp contrast here. And from all of this, the world then and their kingdom then proceeds from worldly conclusions. They proceed from worldly conclusions to worldly conclusions. So you have any number of things. It's okay to kill your baby. It's okay to, it's okay to kill old people when they've lived past their prime. It's okay to do whatever you want to do. Why? Well, because we are basing our thought process on the worldly things rather than on eternal things. And their views ultimately are braced up by the philosophies of this world and humanistic worldviews. I mean, again, why do, the, why, do, why do our politicians and other politicians throughout the world make the, uh, the, the decisions that they do mostly? Well, it's because they continue to honor their humanistic worldview. They don't care about Christ. They don't care about the kingdom of God. They don't care about anything. Matter of fact, I think too many Christians are actually caring and care about uh, being liked by the world. Hey, AK, hey, guess what? I've got a, I've got a, I've got a uh, all points bulletin for you. The world hates us. The world hates our king. The world hates our king. They are never going to like you, no matter how much you and I soften the blow to them. They're never going to be like, oh, I need to be a Christian because these guys are so nice and loving and kind and gracious. They hate our king. 
They're never going to want what they, what, what God has placed us in until God regenerates their hearts. Until God gives them a new heart. We need to stop trying to placate the world and we need to just be honest about what the gospel says and what the gospel means. And yet there are too many people spending too much time running around this world acting like if we just are nice enough, the world's going to love us. It doesn't work like that. Jesus said, if they've hated me, they're going to hate you. And we need to be okay with that. Because there is coming a day in which Christ is going to be glorified and our faith vindicated. And then there is the victory of the kingdom of Christ. Not only victory of Christ, but as a result, the victory of the kingdom of Christ. And what is this kingdom that overcomes? Well, it is a kingdom that advances from another domain, another realm, right? It is, a, it is a kingdom that advances from heaven itself. It is a kingdom that comes from heaven itself, from the king, the rightful ruler of heaven itself. And he advances his own kingdom. He moves his own kingdom forward for his own glory with his own principles and his own, and, and his own, uh, his own rule and reign over all the earth. It is a government. It is a government that is, that is rightfully ruled and turned over to Christ and rules instead of by worldly power and worldly philosophy, by the power of Christ and by the authority of Christ. And Christ rules by birthright and power. The nations, the nations will enjoy the light of the gospel one day. You know, it, it, it blows my mind, truthfully, and I don't want to get off onto this because I really could just go into a tirade, but I'm not going to. I'm going to stick to the text, but I just want to say this. Isn't it amazing that communist China has figured out that abortion doesn't work if you want to keep your population? And we can't figure that out. Isn't that sad that the commies have figured that out? But our nation, who claims to have a Christian foundation, or at least once did, can't quite figure that out. God help us. But I'm digressing. The nations will one day enjoy the light of the gospel. The nations will enjoy one day the light of the gospel. And this will be in a literal millennial reign. I believe in a literal millennial reign of Christ. And this will happen during a literal millennial reign of Christ. Christ will, in this time, in that time, upend the nations of the world through the gospel. And, and it will be a time of, of, of great blessing for the world and for the nations. And there will be many who come to faith in Christ because of it. There will be many who repent and turn to faith in Christ during that time. There will be many who will see Christ's Christ's reign fully realized so that Psalm 2 is, is in fact uh, realized uh, that Christ is not to be resisted. And the gospel is the means by which Christ's kingdom comes. There, is an open, there will be an open door now and then for the gospel to advance. There will, be, uh, there will be knowledge of God and Christ will increase during the time of the millennial reign of Christ. Multitudes will be converted and his laws will actually be put into place. There will be a time in which the law of Christ, the laws of Christ, the law of God, will actually become the law of the, the, not just the land, but the law of the world. It's a, it will be a wonderful time in which we exist and we live during those thousand years and that thousand year reign. And of course, not just the thousand year, but, but even into eternity we will reign with Christ. 
And then lastly, I just want you to show, I want to show you the eternal rule of Christ, and then, then we'll, we'll close it out. In verse 15, it says, And he shall reign forever and ever. And, and it's amazing because we see just the eternal rule of Christ in all of this. And he shall reign forever and, of, and ever. In other words, there's not going to be any other rebels. There'll be no other options like in the Garden of Eden. There'll be, there'll be no more options of, of grabbing a fruit and disobeying God. There'll be no more actions of any more rebels, not Satan, not the beast, not the false prophet, not the, not the uh, not pagans, not the anti-Christians or the anti-theists. None of these will be able to rebel. And those that do at the end of the thousand years will be quickly slaughtered and the nations judged and Christ's eternal reign and rule will once and for all commence. And this will be a literal reign, a literal thousand year reign of Christ and a literal and not just a literal thousand year reign of Christ, but then a literal eternal reign of Christ and Christ's reign will never cease. Isn't it amazing to think about in that day that there is coming a day and whether or not we, we live to see that day, um, we, we who are in Christ, uh, we, will, we will see, we will all see that day and we will all see that, that reign of Christ, eternal reign of Christ once and for all, the thousand year reign of Christ, the eternal reign of Christ and, and Christ's reign once and for all will never cease. And I say this to you, and I, 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 I think that from this passage, I hope what you get from this is encouragement. Here's why I say that. Because no matter what else may be going on in our world, we look at this and we are, we are given uh, great hope, great courage, great encouragement that though the nations may seem to now wage a successful war against the gospel, they may seem, and let me underline that word seem, to, uh, to uh, hinder the gospel. Uh, they may seem to um, seek to, uh, to resist the, the work of, of Christ and the gospel's work in their midst. All, ultimately, ultimately, we look to this verse and we see the absolute stupidity and foolishness of a world system who says, ha-ha, we are autonomous. We are autonomous. Autonomy is the enemy of freedom. Autonomy is the enemy of freedom. We who are free in Christ are not autonomous from Christ. And those who are autonomous from Christ have no freedom in Christ and they will taste the sufferings of pain and death and hell for an eternity because of their insistence of autonomy but we who are in Christ we can look at a passage like Revelation eleven fifteen and say you know what no matter how bad it gets no matter how woefully bad it gets there's coming a day in which Christ will reign and he will put down every world system and he will destroy everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. And he will reign. And I hope, my brothers and sisters, that that encourages you. That that, 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 that inspires you to see the greater picture, the bigger picture that's at work even now. To glorify the Father and to glorify the Son and the Spirit's work in us and through us. 
so that even if we become discouraged in the work, let us be encouraged by the reality that no matter how it may seem now, there is coming a day in which Christ will rule and reign, and our only job is to be faithful while we have life and breath and being in our body. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for our our time together in this word. We thank you for the truth that's given to us here. That though this, that the world system may rage against Christ, though it may it may flail its its arms against Christ and may hurl uh, may hurl cursings against heaven itself and blas- great blasphemies against heaven itself, they cannot win. They will not win. Because there is coming a day in which the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will once and for all put down every enemy, every rebel underneath his feet and will trample upon them once and for all and will rightfully rule and reign from, from, from from this earth forever and ever for the glory of the name of the Father and for the glory of the Spirit. Father, we ask now that you would help us to remember this and to work in the the knowledge of this truth and the hope of this truth that the gospel would speed forward that our uh, the weapons of our warfare are mighty in Christ they're not according to this world but they are mighty in Christ because they are used to pull down spiritual strongholds and so God may you continue to use us to preach Jesus and may you be glorified we pray father in us and through us in Jesus name Amen.